The Cinema Limbo podcast is part of Podnose, the UK's leading independent entertainment podcasting network. For episode archives of Cinema Limbo and all of the shows on the network, visit us at www.podnose.com. You can also follow us on Twitter via at Podnose or send us an email via admin at podnose.com. Homes are comforting and safe places, but the urge to explore is in us all. What might we find if we look outside our own spheres and try and find something that might feel familiar, but fresh, cosy, but new? My name is Jeremy Phillips, writer, critic, and open-faced sandwich, and you are listening to Cinema Limbo, the way station for underappreciated films. This evening's seminar covers the 1987 Dutch action thriller Amsterdam, written and directed by Dick Maas and starring Hoop Stapel, Monique van der Ven, Serge-Henri Valk, and Wim Zorma. My guest is freelance expert Chris Arnsby, and you join us on the podcast Houseboat, moored at the corner of Leinbansgracht and the Bullebackslies. Hi, Chris. Hello. So what can you tell me about the Dutch film industry? <laughs> um, absolutely nothing. I don't think Arc of Infinity counts, does it? I wouldn't have thought so, no. No, sorry, I'm afraid my knowledge of the Dutch film industry is absolutely non-existent. Well, uh, you're omitting, of course, the likes of Paul Verhoeven. Oh, Hell's Teeth, yes, of course. I withdraw my previous amount of ignorance. But uh, one of the uh, biggest names in Dutch cinema is, of course, Dick Maas, um, who's had quite the glittering career um, working in films in his domestic market Um, and I think maybe the lack of recognition he's had is because he hasn't really worked in the US Yeah I think that's often the problem for for people working in films that aren't sort of English language first isn't it is that they just they, they do tend to get overlooked He had a major hit in 1983 with the film The Lift about a murderous lift. Okay. Um, and uh, he followed that up with one of the highest-grossing Dutch films at that time, Flodder. And his third film uh, as director after a, a string of music videos and short films was Amsterdamd. Hmm. Uh, what did you think of this? I really enjoyed it. I kind of wasn't sure what I was, uh, was going to think of it going into it. But no, overall, I thought it was... It was really good fun. Um, what what were you expecting after you saw the title? I don't know. Um, well, I mean, obviously, I'm 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 looking at the looking at the poster, and it's bubbles coming out of a canal. There's obviously something living in the canal. I wasn't really clear whether it was going to be a monster or something else, but. Uh, I don't know. I suppose with Amsterdam, it's like, it vaguely sounds like some sort of hellbound thing, doesn't it? You can imagine it being sort of uh, Satanists in some kind of terrible underground crypt or something. But not Hellraiser with canals or something. Yes. Like that. Yeah, I was going to say, given the high water table, the, the crypt couldn't be too far underground, of course. No, they're not big on cellars there, are they? <laughs> no, not normally. Well, I, I 
remember hearing about the film years ago. Um, I saw it uh, in TV listings, and the name stuck in my mind. And then years later, I heard about it having this amazing boat chase <coughs> that um, for what was ostensibly a low-budget Euro thriller, it had this like James Bond-level action sequence in the middle of the movie. And in fact, it was the work of second unit director Vic Armstrong, who was a James Bond veteran. Oh, interesting. That makes a lot so of sense. Mars had, Mars had really pulled out all the stops because f- finally watching the movie, it's in some ways, it's pretty laughable mm. because it's a like a Dutch counterpart to something like Lethal Weapon. So you have the hero who's a maverick cop, but he's the best one on the force. He's divorced with a teenage daughter. Uh, he's got the, uh, the, the uh, friendly but nerdy partner, and they're looking for a serial killer. But also he stops off at the bakery on his way to the office, and he has open-faced sandwiches with a glass of milk for lunch, hmm. and everything is canal-based, and there's lots of bicycle thefts going on. And it's, it's extremely Dutch, Mm. in a way that makes sense because this is supposed to be something that is quintessentially Dutch and couldn't work anywhere else. But it's hybridized with this lethal weapon Miami Vice idea of mm. uh, a cop-based action adventure. It's one of those things that, that works really well. It's something you occasionally see. Uh, the Beatles, I think, used to do it, although I can't think of any terribly good examples off the top of my head, where they would suddenly in the middle of a very very rock and roll song or so you know a very sort of american genre they would suddenly drop in something really unglamorous like blackburn or uh, meet the wife or something like that and yes and i think that this film is at its best when it really leans into the dutch side of things and it's a lot weaker when yes you could be watching any generic sort of hollywood thriller where did you see it listed just out of interest did it get shown on the uk on uk tv Yes, I saw it in the TV Times. Oh, interesting. <laughs> it was it was back in the early 90s when um, ITV was running 24 hours a day, mm. but their overnight programming wasn't particularly structured. So they would often show a lot of foreign language films dubbed into English. Oh. Um, like, like Italian westerns, Das Boot... Um, was a favourite, showing up dub, showing it as the dubbed version. Even though that's like a hugely acclaimed Oscar-nominated mm. film, it would just be treated as late-night filler. And Amsterdam was was one of those movies. It just would turn up at something like two thirty in the morning on a weeknight, just because they had advertising they wanted to sell. Yeah. <laughs> so the film starts, as of course it does, uh, with a title sequence nicked from Jaws. Yes, yeah, yeah, I was was watching it. I was getting vague Jaws 4 flashbacks when the camera kind of goes roving around the harbour. Except this time it's roving around the canals of Amsterdam Mm. in the dead of night. And (laughs) you know it's not going to be quite like Jaws when the camera then climbs out of the canal and goes into a Chinese restaurant. Yes, um... Yeah, that was a that was a, an odd, and I got very very kind of distracted at that point as well because obviously everything's shot first person, and then suddenly just for a second it drops into that kind of third person view, and then it's back into first person again, and it it it, it was one of those moments because of course this was quite early on in the film, and I really wasn't sure, you know, 
what I was expecting. It was kind of one of those moments when you go, what's what's going on here? Um, but yes, and obviously a lot more heavy breathing than you would normally, than you would expect in the Jaws title sequence as well. It's more like Michael Myers. Mm, yeah. Um, who is the, the Jaws of land. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Um, because he uh, kills young women as well. But yeah. he never ate them. No, or did other assorted other things to them, yes. Why? Wow, what did Jaws do? Well, uh, no, sorry, I was thinking of... Um, and I, I might as well say this in advance. I have no idea who any of the characters are. I'm, I'm, sitting, here looking at, <laughs> I'm sitting here looking at the cast list um, that's lit up on IMDb, and, you know, you've got Martin Rusdale, you've got Jean Van Miguel, McGowan, apologies to any Dutch listeners, by the way. Um, I don't know who any of these people actually were. I noticed that one of the actors is um, Hiddy Mass, I assume related to Dick Mass, the director. But given that I don't remember who Martin Roosdale is, I, I can't speculate on what their relationship is. Martin Roosdale is the psychiatrist. Oh, right. Okay, yeah, that makes life a bit... Which one is the slightly nerdy, glasses-wearing sidekick? Vermeer. Oh, that's Vermeer. That's a very Dutch name, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Our, our hero is Eric Visser. Mm. The love interest is Laura. Yeah. Vermeer is the sidekick, and Potter is the uh, hilarious um, uh, pathologist. Oh, again, right. American, American stereotype. Hmm. Uh, John is... The ex-boyfriend of Eric's ex-wife, who is the diving expert. Oh, him. Gotcha. Yes, yeah. Um, I'm just going down the cast list. Annika is the daughter. Martin mm. is the psychiatrist. And Willie is Annika's friend, who's also psychic. Yeah. In, and... a, subplot, in a subplot which is separate from the rest of the story, but he pretty much has psychic powers yeah and it's not bad it's not bad writing that suggests that he knows things that he shouldn't otherwise know no he can actually see the future yeah he's a, he's 100% correct yeah yeah that's that's and odd there's also there's also one scene with uh, the mayor of amsterdam who brings the hammer down and says mm. you've got 3 days to get results you're <laughs> having your badge um the actor who played him uh Jules Croisset, uh, or Kreuset, I'm not sure how you pronounce yeah. it in Dutch. Um, just before the film was announced, uh, was released rather, he became rather better known for an incident where he was abducted by neo Nazis. Re- really? And, and was yeah, he was released a short time afterwards, and then the police and the, the press started looking into this, and it was discovered that he'd actually faked his own kidnapping. Wow! To hi- to highlight the issue of anti-Semitism in Dutch society. Good grief. That's an incredibly, I mean, a, a worthy goal, but an incredibly convoluted way of going about it. Yeah. Uh, an, an interesting uh, choice of behaviour, I think. Yeah. Yes, and obviously that's, is that the point as well where they, 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 they somebody makes the comment about closing the canals and it, you suddenly start to get more, get more Joel's flashbacks. Um, this is... Um, Netherland Day. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's when, when, when all the tourists come in to the to the. Yeah. Well, and we. Uh, I mean, I mean the the opening scene. It's mm. it's it's so fantastic. Um, we have our um, our our killer 
creeping through the canals and into the red light district mm. as well. And the, the music, um, the music score is by Dick Mars as well, mm. um, who also wrote the script. But it sounds a lot of the time like the work of Dominic Glynn, um, <laughs> the uh, the British composer who worked on Doctor Who in the late 80s and has now become one of the most successful and prolific composers of library music working today. Oh, wow. Um, but it, it sounds a lot like his work. Mm. Um, he sneaks into a Chinese restaurant and steals a carving knife in a, in a single shot sequence. Where one, mo- one, moment it, one moment it's stabbed into the uh, chopping block and the next it's gone. Yeah, I was going to say, I completely... I was obviously not paying attention right from the off with this film then because I missed the stealing the carving knife. Very, very careless of the our killer to come out without any implements as well, but it was his first time, I guess. Well, as we find out later on, kind of anything goes in this movie. Oh, yes. um, <laughs> it's it's very by the seat of the pants. Mm. Um, and uh, we see a fight on the... Um, canal side and it looks like someone's going to get pushed into the canal mm. but they and they oh maybe he's going to get it no no he's grabbed in the nick of time and you hear uh, uh i should say the version i assume you watch the version that's on amazon prime yes yes i did that's dubbed into english yeah and all the main cast dubbed their own parts okay so this is as as close as you could reasonably get um, but there are still things in it that I thought that's not going to be in the original. Like when you hear one prostitute say, "Don't ask me to go Dutch." <laughs> yeah. Because yes. apparently there's lots of American sailors all dressed like they're leapt out of a Gene Kelly musical. Yeah, it's it's the X-rated version of On the Town, isn't it? Yeah in the town. In fact, wasn't there a fast show sketch? Sorry, this is going way off track, but I'm sure there's a fast show sketch which starts off with three American sailors coming down the gangplank of a ship, and they ask some... And it basically goes off in uh, exactly the direction that you'd expect real American sailors to to go in. Mm. (laughs) Uh, We we follow one who gets into a cab, and the cab driver is very sleazy. Mm. And he starts to assault her but she bites him so she throws him out and I thought yeah this is a this is a European film because you don't get this sort of thing in American films no and as a a bag lady passes suddenly the uh, stalking figure creeps up behind her and grabs her and stabs her and we see that it's actually a frogman yes you get not a frogman (laughs) no you you get one very very long shot don't you um yeah, and it does. I, I'm trying to. I, I'm trying to work out because obviously the film there's this vague. There's supposed to be a vague mystery about what is coming out of the because the the woman describes it as a beast, doesn't she? And, you know, with great long with long feet, uh, long claws. I think she describes it. And I I was a yeah. little bit thrown by this because I, the it was like the film or the script wanted there to be a little bit of mystery for a while about what was coming out of the the canals but you get it's only a very very brief shot but you get a nice long shot that gives you a chance to see no this is definitely a frogman but you could understand why a somewhat adult homeless person would think that it's a monster it's one of the i I quite liked that there's there's a few bits that won me over to this film quite quickly 
Um, and yeah, that was one of them. I, I really like the way that she later on describes it in the best terms that she can. I thought that was quite, I thought it was a nice little character moment. We cut to daytime and there is a very long helicopter shot of mm. Amsterdam city centre. Possibly too long. Really, yeah. Um, it's, it's, the, it's the beauty shot. It's the yeah. hero shot of the city. And we do get to see how it's mm. absolutely riddled with canals because you don't, I mean, just looking at ground level, you don't really get that. You have to look at a map really to see that, yeah, it is that they are everywhere. Yeah. They completely, you know, it's they're, they're lousy with canals there. <laughs> there was a bit actually in the um, Chinese restaurant sequence where the guy basically just walks to the back door and chucks a, uh, a bunch of offcuts straight into the canal. And it, I've not been to, have you been to Amsterdam? I haven't, no. No, neither have I. So I've got no direct experience of the place, but I was slightly taken aback by the fact that, okay, I guess buildings just open straight onto the canals. That seems quite dangerous, but it works for the Dutch. Well, I've been to Venice. I've hmm. been to Venice. Oh, yeah. And the buildings there really do open straight onto the canals. <laughs> and if you've if you've watched anything filmed in Venice... Hmm. I, um, uh, don't look now or yeah, moonraker repeatedly um, yes repeatedly um venice really does look like that mm. it's they, they don't have to beautify it or make it look any more interesting or atmospheric it looks exactly the way it does in everything you've seen that's been filmed there mm. it's an extraordinary city and everything opens straight onto the canals you can't even ride a bike in in venice because there is there's so many bridges and so many <laughs> steps up and down and all the passageways are so narrow huh. you yeah. have to go everywhere on foot or by boat yeah well as I think I, I get the impression with Amsterdam that it's much more that it's the back of the buildings that seem to open straight onto the canals isn't it I, that's well yeah that's how it, there are, there, Dutch listeners the canals. email in and correct my, my misapprehensions yes please do but the uh, the canals are there as a a means to facilitate trade, or mm. were constructed as a means of, to facilitate trade. Whereas in Venice, the city was just built straight out of the lagoon, yeah. so it made no sense to have roads, except on the Lido, yeah, which does have a full road system, which is weird. Hmm. And actually, in the because the, the uh, new the the new Venice, the more industrial Venice is on the mainland and it's completely separate and apparently it's really horrible. <laughs> it's 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 the old Venice, the one that the one that we recognize with the gondolas yeah. and all of that. Um that seems to exist as like almost as a completely separate entity. Hmm. A tourist boat um is uh having a tour with uh, someone narrating the uh, uh history of the canals and the, the history you know, some background to the city and the boat's passengers consist entirely of nuns and Boy Scouts. And it, yes, uh, I, I'm just amazed that there wasn't a nun playing a guitar. But uh, yes, it looks like a terrible, a terrible trip to be on, doesn't it? Because there's nothing but shrieking kids having a whale of a time, and then, as you say, nuns for some reason. Yeah, nun, nun, in the full in the full mm. uh, wimple as well. Um, so what should of course happen? But they go around the corner and find. Um, the body of the murder victim from the night before strung 
by her ankles from a bridge. And this but, was, of course, it's a boat. It's a boat, so it can't stop straight away. And so the body is just sort of dragged across the front and the roof of the and the glass roof, glass covered. Um, boat until it dangles in through the skylight. And this was the bit of the film that I, I watched this bit and went, I'm on board with this film. That's a that's a such a a, a nasty sense of humour in that sequence uh, because of course all the kids start shrieking. It's like a joke from The Simpsons, isn't it? Because all the kids start shrieking. Yeah. It cuts back to the shots of this poor woman being dragged along the. Uh, a glass roof of the boat, leaving this bloody trail behind her. More shots of shrieking children. And then I think, isn't the sunroof open halfway down? So it then yeah. the body then tumbles into the boat to the accompaniment of more more shrieks. A fant- th- th- there's quite a few moments in this film that where, oddly enough, somebody's got a really good eye for a memorable shot, and it doesn't it doesn't happen frequently but there's three or four moments when you look at it and go that's just brilliant and this is one of those sequences yeah uh, I know I'm amazed actually I'm kind of amazed that this film isn't a little bit better known just on the strength of that sequence because it's terrific it did very well when it was being sold overseas mm. um, at the American film market in 1988 it was the third highest selling film on exhibition. Mm. I'm not surprised. But it went, but it only had a very limited release in the US, and effectively went straight to video. Mm. And it's it's only ever been really available on home video, and it's not even available in the UK. As I say, the only place it's available now uh, is on uh, on Amazon Prime. Mm. It's not. I don't think it's. I don't think it's out anywhere else. Um, but certainly, with that title and with yeah, with the title Amsterdam and with, uh, I could I really could see this being yes, a very very strong sort of VHS rental film. It feels almost like the classic example of that thing you kind of discover by accident when all the big name films have been taken out of the shop. Uh, we cut to our hero, Eric Visser, and he's in the bath um, first thing in the morning. Uh, busy not shaving well obviously because he's a hard drinking not 70s honestly he's a hard drinking 80s cop isn't he yes who looks distractingly like one of the cast from moonlighting whose name escapes me now um i'll have to look this up i'll I'll look it up in the background i'll try not to uh distract the flow of things but yes he's in the bath and in a breach of um regulations he's left his gun hanging around in the flat hasn't he yeah, so a woman uh, carrying it comes in to surprise him, and it's his daughter. Mm. And he's not particularly bothered, but... Uh... Oh, sorry, Curtis Armstrong is the guy I was thinking of from... Uh... Oh, yes. He does look a little like Curtis Armstrong, you're right. And um, I think... Yeah, anyway, sorry, that was a... But he, he, they, they get a phone call that... Uh... And uh, his daughter Annika takes it that oh, there's been loads of bike thefts again, mm. um, because it's Amsterdam. Obviously, um, they are. Um, she's asked where her father is. So, oh, he's in the bath. He's probably masturbating. That was it. I remember that she said something very yeah. Again, mm. it's a Dutch. Yeah, film. yeah. Foreign countries are like the past. They do things differently. <laughs> yes, very much so. Um. 
so he uh, he heads off to work and uh, he gets stuck in traffic. Heads into the bakery to pick up. Oh, his, that's uh, right. Yes, this year I'm, I'm watching. Sorry, I, I'm watching, and and this again. Not necessarily. Not, not. I feel the film endorsed by the Amsterdam Tourism Board because it just makes driving around Amsterdam look like a an absolute living nightmare. Um, but yes, he stops in the he he stops his car outside the bakery because he's got nowhere to go. Doesn't he look over to one side and sees a robbery in progress? Yeah, there's a robbery in the bakery. So he goes in, disarms the robber, um, smashes his face into a cake in the window, and then handcuffs him to the railing and all the baker says is you're gonna to have to pay for that cake hmm. and then you get a very very weird bit where the the baker complains about police brutality and then goes slightly off off track and starts talking about how he uses the best ingredients in his cake and you get a very very odd cutaway of the thief starting to eat the cake and again it's just one of those slightly peculiar visual images where it doesn't really have any reason to be in the film, but I'm pleased it's there. It's just th- this. This is a film where Mars is trying to break America, mm. and he's trying to do it by making an American-style movie, but in a context that is distinctly Dutch. Mm. But there are so many odd things where the Dutchness is breaking through. Yeah. And I think that's one of it. It's this odd sense of humour. Yes, definitely. That, yeah, he's had his face smashed into his cake. Of course he's going to start eating but it. But then, yes, the regular, um, regular his, police... Oh, sorry. Yeah, his daughter, his daughter calls him handsome, and, she, and he says that she's fresh. And it's, it's all just a bit unusual. Yeah, yeah. Well, as you say, just the fact that you've got... the To, to just jump back to the opening titles, as you say, the fact that you've got the the opening titles to a slasher film, but in the background there's just neon signs for sex clubs everywhere. Uh, it just, you know, it's... It, everything is... Sex, sex and death sell very well. Well, yeah, this is true. Well, it, 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 funnily enough, and so I will stop talking about Ark of Infinity as soon as possible, but wasn't the rule when they went to film that in Amsterdam that... They didn't want anything Dutch in the production, so the story wasn't allowed to be about the theft of old masters or diamonds. Um, and then you've got this film, which is a Dutch export to the rest of the world, and they don't care. It's just, yeah, let's throw everything in. Um, yeah, let's Dutch it up a bit more. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. There's, yeah. There's, not, there's not enough people eating waffles in this scene. <laughs> it's the equivalent of doing a film in London and insisting that everyone wears bowler hats and that there's dancing chimney sweeps everywhere. Yeah, it's just fascinating. Well, I think it, it makes sense that Mars is thinking along similar lines to why The Avengers, the TV show, was a big hit in the US because it was a very exportable vision of, of England. Yeah, that's true. And it, was, and, it, and it wasn't just giving the Americans stuff that they already had. So this is mm. a, a, an action thriller, which Americans like, but with a very distinctive foreign setting. Mm. Which would be new and fresh and interesting. So it's he's clearly thought this through, mm. and I mean, I th- I think largely it works. It's just the film hasn't was never properly promoted. Yeah, and I think could have been much more successful. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Um, We're still in the cake shop, aren't we? Two cops turn up. He hands yeah, over the yeah. key. Uh, Eric uh, gets to the crime scene and finds that 
the body was hung from the bridge with a bowler knot, which is traditionally used by sailors or divers. Mm. Did you see as well, as he walks through the crowd that's gathered, that there's a nun comforting a child? No, I didn't. It's great. Oh, it's that's great. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. As, uh, just as, a cam- as he, he walks past and there's, yes, the nun still in her full um, uh, Sound of Music get-up, and yes, she's, she's comforting a small child who looks distressed. And uh, we meet Vermeer, uh, Eric's uh, partner, and there's a moment where Eric asks Vermeer a question, and he uh, he he replies, emphasising his answer very strangely. So it's something like, "Oh, but did you find any uh, particular marks in the body?" And Vermeer says, "Not that we know of." Mm. And it's, and I. I I get the impression that maybe the actor doesn't speak English very well because it was—it just really jumped out at me as such a weird emphasis. Yeah, I mean it's a peculiar line anyway, because when they say "mark," I mean what "mark" about, about? She's covered in the poor lady's covered in stab wounds. Well, no, that well, well no, that I, I was trying to remember. I can't remember oh. what oh. what what the question is that he's answering. Oh, I see. Well. But yeah, yeah, I suppose it is that, that that always that risk, isn't it? Where you've got people whose language speaking in 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 their non-first language, but yeah, you'll start to get emphasis on all the wrong words. They um, muse over the wonderful sense of humour that the killer has, mm. while the bag lady says that it was a great big monster. Yeah. Uh, later at the police are canteen they're both tucking into their open sandwiches and glasses of milk <laughs> yes and um, Vermeer says well she said there was a, a big black monster with huge claws and Eric replies well I hope your mother-in-law has an alibi oh it's um, just it's just banter it's all you know it's just cop banter yeah I mean uh, Riggs and Myrtle have nothing on these two. No, definitely not. Um, he gets home and he finds that Annika and her friend Willie are attempting a séance. Mm. There were a few points in this film where it doesn't have subtitles. This the, the, the Amazon version doesn't have subtitles, does it? Which was a little bit of a shame because just every now and again I was a bit foxed by the the pronunciation of some of the dialogue, and I wanted to go back and check what people had said. Um, but yeah, no, you, they're having they're having a sense. I forget who he's trying to contact. It's a relative or something, isn't it? It's his grandmother or something. Yeah. Is that the um, one where she gives him a bullet to use as the focus, or does that come later? I think that's later. Okay, yeah. Eric opens the fridge and finds that it's stocked full of grolsch. Well, of course. Uh, because of course it is. Yeah. And um, that because he didn't buy any jam, peanut butter, or apple strudel mm. uh, for dinner, they're going to have to have brains in broccoli sauce. And Annika says, oh, I hate French cooking. <laughs> yeah. It's that old that Franco-Dutch rivalry. Yes, yeah, yeah. How many times have we heard that story before? Uh, later that night, there are some scientists taking samples uh, further mm. out in the estuary, um, and um, I'm trying to read my writing here, it's not even uh, uh, what, what was it that? Do you remember what they were talking about? They were the, having some sort of. They're talking about how. Banter. 
sorry, got, they're, they're talking about how they want to get water samples because they want to prove that the factory is polluting the estuary. And there's a there's a throwaway discussion about... Do they specifically talk about finding a load of... They, they don't use the word turds, but they use something similar. And it was just... Well, I've written the word turd. Oh, maybe they do oh, yeah, the not, they, are, they, they, ha- they haven't even found any turds or rubbers. That was it, yes, yeah. And I was thinking again, the the the, Am- the Amsterdam Tourism Board sends another notice of um, uh, protest to the production uh, because they're not making any friends. Stop, stop making stop stop making our city look like hell on earth. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, they're 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 obviously they're they're fishing for water samples, and. There is some weird. There's oh, I think the bit I'm thinking of comes a little bit later during the autopsy, but uh, um, the the uh, the, uh, the test canister they they pull out and it's all mangled. That's and one of them turns one of them turns his back in the in the tiny little rubber boat they're mm. in, and then when he turns around again, his his mate's gone without a splash, without anything. Yes, yes, With, yes. It's cinema magic. So he. <laughs> He starts pulling in the anchor, and uh, the guy's head has been speared on the anchor. Mm. <laughs> and I'll be honest, this was the point when I started to think that maybe I'd misunderstood the film, that maybe it was a monster, because I still struggle to quite work out how that poor guy was supposed to have been decapitated in what was a relatively short, short amount of time. But again, I think let's put it down to, to, to film magic and leave it at that. Um, does he then... I mean, Oh, well, the boats! Oh, I'm... there's too many boats and canals that... in this film. Does the the, boat... other, the other guy start? The guy who's left starts swimming to shore, and he signals to a passing truck. That's but it. But he's grabbed from behind and yes. by his ankles and dragged backwards into the water again. Yes. Yeah, by the guy who's very, very, but by the the the, the killer who's apparently very, very strong. Um, yeah. And the next day at the crime scene. As Eric's examining the bloody body, he says, "Looks like they were the ones being sampled." Yeah. Um, someone, uh, there's a photographer nearby, and someone attacks him. And Vermeer quips, "Ah, looks like it's Holland's answer to Sean Penn." That's it. This, again, this is a, just such an odd little, uh, such an odd introduction to a character because this is the other policeman, isn't it? Who doesn't yeah, want this? Is this is. Yeah, it's John from the River Police. Mm, who doesn't want to have his photo taken or something. Which actually started then me wondering if he, uh, whether he was supposed to be the killer. I'm not sure whether that's a deliberate red herring or not, but uh, I did spend a good chunk of the early part of the film assuming that maybe John was the killer. Um, but then also confused as to why, if he was the killer, he was also cooperating very enthusiastically with the investigation. <laughs> so uh, this is why I'm not a policeman. Well, it's the relationship between John and Eric is unusual because mm. John is the ex-boyfriend of Eric's ex-wife. Yes. So there's there's a certain friction there, but they're both professional enough mm. to say, "Well, let's get on with the case," and and they worked they worked they're sort of happy to work together. Mm. But there's still that tension there, which they never really do anything with. No. And there's a very odd moment as well where they sort of go, oh, I haven't seen you for 13 years. And it's such a weirdly specific length of time, but it also feels like 
too long. Say six months or say a year, but 13 years just seems like such a peculiar amount of time to use. The um, They have to go and see the chief, mm. who is a proper, you know, again, Hollywood-style police yeah. chief. How, well, this looks like this was either a diver or it was the Loch Ness Monster. Um, so their, their next job is to investigate every single certified diver in the Netherlands. Yes. And, and there are 8,000. Police work is very, very boring at times, yes. Oh, they found a, they found a clue, haven't they? They found a depth gauge. They found a shred... And they found a shred of the wetsuit. Oh, that's yes. On the on the anchor, and um, the piece of the rope that was used. Mm. They go to the autopsy, where we have um, Doctor Potter. The again the the traditional mm. um, hilar- hilarious pathologist cracking jokes and like eating eating sandwiches out of a kidney dish and that kind of thing. Yes. And he gives and. A- they they do the autopsy of the uh, murdered woman first, um, and then they do the autopsy of the two um, scientists. And he has this very odd speech about their last meal, where he just talks about the yes. fact that, that it's all veg- it's all vegan or something. Both men had partaken of a vegetarian repast. That was it. <laughs> yeah. Again, I I'm not sure Mars is a, is great. Uh, as an English speaker, but um, in that scene, we find out that the t- that the tip of the knives had actually broken off in the bodies because they were attacked with mm. such frenzy. Um, the bodies are unveiled completely nude as well, which is again, again very European. And yes. the the final bit that I loved is that the severed head is on a, <laughs> a set of weighing scales. <laughs> Well, yeah, you've got to put it somewhere. Um, otherwise, people just keep tripping over it. Yeah. So they head off to uh, uh, have their lunch and put ketchup on their ham, egg and, ham eggs and salad. Oh, that's right. Isn't there, a, is, uh, isn't there a vague sort of match cut at this point? Because you suddenly cut from... Do you cut from a close-up of the head to an extreme close-up of the eggs having ketchup squirted on them? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Eric and Vermeer both eye up their waitress. Well, of course, yeah. Of course they do. And I've written a phrase here, murdered quiz master. Oh, yes, they're talking about an old investigation, aren't they? Because Eric Visser oh, is yeah. one of the... He's like Holland's most famous cop. And yeah, they talk oh, about yeah. this old. Uh, they t- they talk about this old investigation which involves a murdered quizmaster. But I don't really know why it was important that he was a quiz. I, I I was vaguely expecting the setup to, to, to talk about some like Riddler series of clues or something. But no, he was just a quizmaster. He got murdered, and this was the. Ca- I got the impression that this was the case that made Eric's name or something. Well, I, I think so. It's all a bit... It's, sort of, it's world-building, perhaps. Yes, yeah. You may be pleased to hear that um, a couple of years ago, Mars adapted the script as a full-length novel called oh. The Naked Witness, 
and is actually planning on developing a series of uh, novels based around the characters. So maybe we'll get a prequel. Uh, the uh, I don't know. The, uh, I'm trying to think of uh, a murder-style pun title. Um, hmm. Neckbusters. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. I'm struggling now to holiday. Busman's holiday of death. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 Um, Every second counts. I'm just. Uh, yeah. Uh, House of Horrors. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm very, very poor on um, blankety blank loaded in the gun. Yeah, you see. Let's move on from the. <laughs> <laughs> Degeneration game. I'm trying to. I so think they you... drive. Sorry, what was that? This is going to bug me now, and I might as well get this one out, even if this bit's snipped out. What's the name of that really old uh, American series about the reporter that investigates assorted monsters and things like that? Kolchak, the night Kolchak, that was it. I could see, I could actually see this, if he's thinking of doing a spin, I could see this working as a kind of Kolchak series, where... A sort of, uh, the, my pitch would be, I guess, a cross between Cold Jack and Jonathan Craig. You know, you're just investigating bizarre crimes every week in in Amsterdam. Well, that's very like the idea that I, I've tried to pitch for a spin-off from Deathline. Oh, right. Which which is Donald Pleasance as uh, Inspector Colhoun investigating weird crime in. Uh, early seventies London. Ah, oh, would be brilliant, wouldn't it? And you know, the first episode you do you remake Deathline. Then there could be like a coven of witches in Soho. Um, you know, something's going on at the British Museum. Mm. Um, yes. All, all yeah. with this pattern of of grime and mm. uh, pe- people getting to grips with decimalized currency in the <laughs> European Community. Yeah, no, uh, it's the mi- uh, mi- you know, uh, yeah, three day a, week power cuts, yeah, a uh, a warlock in the House of Lords trying to put a hex on Arthur Scargill. Yeah, there's all sorts you could do with that. No, that would be terrific, wouldn't it? Come on, big finish. I was gonna say, get big finish on the phone, yeah. So anyway, they they head to the dr- the diving club to start mm. uh, their start questioning eight thousand people. Yes, um, and also it it is the biggest in the Netherlands, so it is a good place to start. Mm. But uh, nothing nothing's missing so far, even though they're told that the canals are actually filthy. Yes, again, again. the and the Amsterdam tourist board <laughs> sends another letter. <laughs> <laughs> The uh, yeah, the um, film unit liaison starts tearing his hair out. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, and um, they ask if there there might be any weapons missing, because all mm. divers are armed. Apparently, I mean it's it's like Thunderball down there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've got knives in case they get caught caught on something, um, and they've all got um, spear guns in case they're attacked by sharks, haven't they? Yes. Well, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they head to the lake where suddenly the waitress climbs out in her skin tight wetsuit and they all is that the, faces sorry I, I'm, I appreciate this is not doing much for my powers of observation is that that's the waitress I didn't yeah. make that connection at all um, I just thought she was another 
another one of Amsterdam's sexy ladies. No, no, there's only one. Okay, fair enough. But uh, but Eric introduces himself as well. You're all wet. And she says, yes. <laughs> it's very much the kind... <laughs> Yeah, which I mean, a a lot of this is like airplane or the naked gun just played straight. Yeah, yeah. And uh, her name is Laura, and Eric tells her a bit about how the horrifying, brutal murder Mm. and the crazed murderer who's on the loose, and then asks her out on a date. Of course, yeah. Because how else are you gonna? How else are you gonna do it? Yeah, yeah. And then she's but um, she's got another she's got another appointment because she's going out with uh she's going out with her friend, her friend Martin, mm. who is also a member of the diving club, um, or rather was a member of the diving club, mm. and he is a psycho- psychologist who's also treating her even though she's her gu- she's his girlfriend. It's fine, and he's. And he's a very yuppie type figure. Mm. Uh, he looks like um, someone from a coffee advert from 1989. Yes, he does, doesn't he? Yes, it is a very. This is. I think that's maybe one of the things that that's the slightly weird thing about this. This is an incredibly at times 80s film. You've got everybody's got design. Well, Eric's got designer stubble, hasn't he? Um, yeah. And yes, as you say, Martin um, looks like he's stepped out Martin of a goal. Yes, got, yeah, gold, gold blend crossed with uh, Don Johnson. Mm. I mean, you can tell that he doesn't own a single pair of socks. Oh, God. We're probably lucky he's not wearing those fluorescent socks that were all the rage. What do you think I'm wearing now? Well, that's true, yes. I mean, those the, the classic fashion never goes out of style. So uh, they, go, they go to a continental restaurant. Uh, oh, no, sorry, at a continental restaurant. Mm. Uh, we, there's a there's a cutaway and we see the the killer get ready with his scuba gear. Oh, that's right. He's, then, he's, he's off out murdering again. There's another another one in that list of really nice like individual shots. Um, there's a shot of the mouthpiece with air blood and all sort of spray comes off the mouthpiece. It's actually weirdly it's shot like a kind. I don't quite know how to describe it. Almost like it's a it's a fetish object in a way. It's really. It's a very, very arresting image. Mm. But at a at a continental star restaurant, mm. uh, a collector for the Salvation Army oh, is going going around soliciting donations. Yeah. And then, as soon as she gets outside and around the corner, she pockets all the cash. Yes, I wasn't sure if that was a gag or whether that was just. Um... Good practice. I don't know because obviously you don't want to be you don't want to be cycling or again in terms of the most Holland or Amsterdam things possible. You don't want to be cycling around on the edge of canals with your Salvation Army collection pot about to bounce off and fall into one of the canals. That would just be annoying. But yeah, I wasn't really sure whether that was a setup for joke that oh look she's doing all this collecting but she's actually swiping the money. I assume that she was swiping the money. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, but as she's cycling off, she does drop her collection tin by the canal. Mm. And as she reaches down to uh, pick it up, the killer leaps out of the water, grabs her, and drags her under. Mm. And there's a, she passes a couple of policemen, doesn't she? 
Um, and of yeah. course, then the policemen hear her shrieks and run back, uh, but it's it's too late. Yeah. And it's only later when they're dredging the canal that they find 20 guilders and a dead body. Hmm. Um, Eric gets another grilling, yeah? Sorry, I was going to say, isn't there some vague plot point that they find her body in a different place to where she was killed? Because Eric's been marking the sites of all the murders with flags on a map, isn't he? Um, but then she yeah. gets a different coloured flag because her body was found in a different place to where she was, uh, where she was killed, I think. Yes, because uh, the killer likes to play with his victims. <laughs> yeah, like a killer whale or something, yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's an orca. Well, that's true. Um, they also they find the depth meter at this point, I think, as well. Oh, is that this one they do it? Yeah. Yeah. Whilst uh, Eric uh, decides that uh, he's had enough of uh, crime for a while, so he heads off to a gallery to meet Laura, who is also a tour guide. Yes. Yeah. Um, and there's a, there's a really weird moment here. And, and I, again, I can only assume that something got lost in translation. She's showing a group of Japanese tourists around. She gives them the spiel about Night Watch. And then one of the Japanese tourists said, sort of goes, is, that, is this the end of the tour? And she says, yes, it is. And the Japanese tourists leave? It just... I, I was just watching. Why does he have a line? I think it's because she's distracted now for, by talking to Eric. Uh, so say, um, uh, is is the tour over? Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. that makes sense. And they, just, yeah. and, they, and they just wander off. Yeah, I was just watching it. I was trying to work out whether maybe he'd contributed some money to the film or something. And it's like, yeah, you can have a line. It's fine. We'll meet me at the art gallery tomorrow. We'll stand in front of some more Dutch. At this point, obviously the the. As you say, the the Amsterdam tourist board liaison gives the film a thumbs up because look, it's not just Turdfield canals and murderers and sex clubs. You you can go see Rembrandt paintings as well. There are da- there are yeah there are downsides too. <laughs> yes yeah. Um. So they uh they go they go they go out for dinner, and they have they go to a restaurant that's in a windmill. A, a, <laughs> a pink a pink windmill. <laughs> I was getting rod hole flashbacks. Emu stakes all around. Exactly, yeah. Um, uh, and I assumed that they were going to a clog dancing nightclub afterwards. Absolutely, um, yeah. Eric's wearing a suede jacket with his matching yeah. stubble. And, I mean, and they've it, got like a million wine glasses on the table, haven't they? That was the thing that yeah. I, I, I got very distracted in this scene because they've got like seven or eight wine glasses between the two of them. Um, and Eric also tells Linda that he had a background check run on her. Yes. Um, because it, uh, he's thorough. Because uh, because she has a therapist. Um, and uh, it turns out that Martin used to be a diver, but has given it up since his friend was in an accident. Mm. And meanwhile, Willie is engaging all his psychic powers, and. <sighs> has tracked the killer using automatic writing. Yeah. So he and Annika head to a dockside and immediately split up. Well, obviously. And it's like, th- there's this insane subplot that's like a mm. Scooby-Doo story. Yeah. 
And yeah. it ends up with Annika pushing him into the water. Yes. As as the killer watches. Yeah, and that's and as you say, the 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 the, the, the off kilter thing about this subplot is that yes, Vili has psychic powers. He leads them to the place where the killer is. There it is, you know. Um Yeah. The next day at the police station, uh, oh, sorry, I just want to say you've skipped over another great moment. You've skipped over what I another great moment because isn't um, isn't Eric's chat up line to Laura want to have sex? I think so. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, fair play. Why not just ask? I guess it cuts out a lot of wasting your time. I know. I mean, I'm. I'm very much in favour of a more continental attitude to life in general. And uh, I've been watching Keeping Up Appearances recently. Oh, right. And it's... Uh, you remember how in um, in Raiders of the Lost Ark, where uh, Marcus Brody is telling Indy about how the Nazis have this, uh, this brooch that they're using to find the... Uh, the arc, but it suddenly has lettering on one side, and they actually need it on mm. both sides, and so they won't be able to find the arc. And at that point, Indy could say, "Well, if they're not going to find the arc, why don't we just go home?" Yes, and it good. just cuts cuts out the rest of the movie. In keeping up appearances, the whole series is about the English curse, which is politeness. Mm. If anyone ever said to Hyacinth, Hyacinth Bucket's face please go away and leave me alone. That would be the end of the episode. Yeah. But people have to be polite and they can't tell her to go away. And, uh, you know, I think that's why Keeping Up Appearances is so popular in Denmark, because it's like this weird alien culture of no one able to tell the truth to one of the most annoying people. Yeah. I guess... In creation. Yeah. I guess I've never really thought about it like that, but yes, yeah, it must it must look very, very peculiar to overseas viewers because yes, why why would you put up with Hyacinth's why, nonsense? Why why don't you just tell her to fuck off? No, yeah. you can't come to the fucking church hall. No, you can't sing at my fucking recital. Yeah, stop telling people your name is pronounced bouquet. Richard, just get a divorce. Your wife is horrible. I, um, it, 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 on a vaguely similar note, I, I, I watched a couple of episodes of um, Some Mothers Do Have Them on, um, I think it was st- somebody stuck them up on YouTube. And I had to bail five minutes into the second episode I was watching because they're staying overnight in a hotel um, and Frank accidentally damages the lino. And he starts. Oh, yeah. He starts. Oh, if I move this piece of furniture. And I turned into Betty. I'm just sitting there going, Frank, no, just stop. Leave it. It's fine. You're just. Don't move the wardrobe. Now you've. And, and, and the stress drove me away from the episode about five minutes in. I just couldn't cope with it. It's, uh, it's about the Godzilla threshold, really which is where the solution to a problem is going to cause more damage <laughs> yes, yes. than the problem itself, like firing, firing nuclear missiles at Godzilla. Mm. Yeah. I don't think I've come across the term Godzilla threshold before, but I'm definitely going to try and use it I, in conversation I, more often. I found it on TV Tropes, and it's a surprisingly useful concept, the yeah. idea that the measures you take to fix a problem cause bigger problems <laughs> than the thing you're trying to fix. Yeah. 
Um, so yes, an old loony turns himself into the police station. Oh, he's that's got, what. Yeah, he's got he's got like a snorkel on and water wings and and long underpants mm. and flippers, and he says that he's the killer. Yeah, and everyone he obviously and, does this on a daily basis because everyone just indulges him. What, what do you reckon he was coming in dressed as during the Quizmaster murder investigations? Dusty Bin, of course. Yeah, he did. I mean, yeah, I mean, clearly it was Dusty Bin because they was leaving all those riddles for the police to find. Mm. And that might I left al- you all the clues, Mr. Police. And that might also explain Eric's um, uh, comment that solving that murder involved a lot of luck because there's no rational way to solve any of those clues. <laughs> um, meanwhile, someone is rather, I mean, e- even, even if there wasn't a killer... Given what we've heard and seen about the canals, I would not relax on a lilo oh, on no. one of those canals when they are absolutely full of turds and condoms and discarded animal bits. Mm. But she's she's relaxing on a lilo next to her houseboat. Yeah. And again, I think a quite a, a creative bit of mm. uh, murdering. Um, the killer stabs up underneath... Yes. Through through the lilo and kind of drags her down through the middle of it. Yeah, and there's that very very um, peculiar shot of the dagger coming right up through the base of the boat. That again, it goes into the catalogue of memorable images from this film. Yeah. Um, Eric is dragged into the uh, mayor's office now, hmm. and because I think I <laughs> given what we've been saying so far, hilariously. The mayor is angry about the damage to the city's image. <laughs> yes. Um, because of because of all this serial murder, I thought, mm. yeah, well, well, with all the other problems you've got, by the looks of it, this yeah. is the last thing you need. This is the straw that breaks the camel's back. Yeah. Yes, but they've got three days to nail that psycho, haven't? They? Oh no, that that's it. that scene comes later, doesn't it? No, no, no it comes in now. Yeah. Oh well, yeah. That uh, that. Uh, Oh yeah, they they threatened to reassign Eric, mm. but he's the best one on the force, so he's got three days to think of something. Um, and we see the inside of Martin's house. Martin has an absolutely lovely house. Mm. We see the exterior a couple of times. It's right by a canal, isn't it? It's lovely. It's 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 right by a canal, so it's got a little uh, basement boathouse, and it's this lovely opulent mm. mansion in the suburbs, and he's got a great big piano. Lots of desirable and, uh, 80s tech because he's got a yeah all the sort of the CD all the sort of separate hi-fi units and things, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It remind it reminds me of whenever they had those episodes of Only Fools and Horses filmed in flats in the Docklands. Hmm. Yeah, where there are always these very modern 1986 looking apartments. Yeah, um, the River Patrol is getting panicky and they shoot at a duck oh that's it yes yeah. um, and Eric however has managed to get hold of a lead because there is a, a diving rigger who was sacked because he had some kind of rage problem mm. so the cops surround his apartment to plan an ambush and Eric and Vermeer storm in and he's already gone but a motorbike is speeding away. Yes, that's um, it. So Eric 
jumps from the first floor window onto the pavement, lands on his feet, and sprints after him. It's, uh, like I say, for, to, to write it off as film magic. It's, again, it's exactly the kind of thing that you'd expect um, somebody to do in Lethal Weapon, isn't it? But yes, I mean, in reality, yeah. the result would be two broken ankles and three weeks of traction. Um, but there's a there's a chase around mm. uh, the streets. Eventually, um, he gets uh, cornered when they raise a bridge. Yeah, and that's quite... and he's arrested, and they take and they take him off for questioning. Mm. That's quite a nice sequence. I, I quite like the way it ended um, on the because there's that moment when you think, well, obviously, what the guy tries to do is he does try to jump the bridge, but it's been raised too high. Um, and he just ends up clinging to the top of it, doesn't it? And they're standing around at the bottom going, oh, are you going to come down and join us? Yeah. And he's taken it for questioning, and he's still uh, mean and, and argumentative. Mm. Um, and um, there's a moment where uh, Vermeer leans in the ashtray as well. Yes, yeah, there's, he keeps getting these little moments of physical comedy, doesn't he? Um yeah. And then, of course, it's like um, it's like uh, at the end of the Pink Panther, where um, Peter Sellers leans on the table as uh, Cluzo and puts both his fists in bowls of porridge. <laughs> and uh, Eric goes out and and swigs whiskey in his car before driving off. Yes, and I just the the best man for the case. They've got the prime suspect, and they're interrogating him. So he goes off to have sex because. Yeah. And every how and also everyone smokes yes. all the time. And I'm not sure Again, it's a, it, it it's a continental thing because I remember particularly yeah. in Germany of the late 80s everyone smoked really? all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Cigarette machines everywhere. Yeah, it was just. I mean, in the UK, it was just starting to kick in with the the the. the, the, the I think smoking was was the, that was the point when it was starting to decline a bit. But yes, there's a lot of smoking in this film. Um, I just wrote it off as being again everyone's terribly hard bitten and continental, and that's what. You... It's a cultural thing. It's mm. it's not just yeah. This is what these kind of people do. No, it's just that's what it's like. Yeah, yeah, it's one of those things. It's like it's just so taken for granted. Yes. <laughs> mm. um, but Eric starts pouring out his problems to Laura, and she says, "Oh, is there anything I can do?" And it cuts to them having sex. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, meanwhile, on a barge on the river, an old man is drinking scotch, listening to opera. And taking a piss into a sink. Yes, full of dirty washing up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in the rain. Um, yeah. Um, the killer cuts the ropes uh, holding the boat and then starts towing it. I know. And again, chalk this one up to another one of the things where it shows fantastic amounts of strength. So I'm still sitting there thinking, maybe it is a monster. Yeah. Um and uh, the the boat is holed below the waterline. And... Uh, apparently by the guy punching through it or something. Yeah. I mean, conceivably you could maybe be able to punch your way from the inside out if it was really old and rotten. Mm. But from the outside in, with with all the water slowing 
slowing you down and ta- taking your mm. momentum. I don't think that would be that would be possible normally. No. And and the following the following day, John dives down to the wreck to investigate, mm. and uh, he finds the corpse when it floats out of a cupboard at him. Yes, which is a, a sort of a quite a nice little Jaws jump scare, isn't that? Yeah. At this point, I mean, we keep saying the idea that you know, is it a man or a monster? It's really starting to remind me of the Nightmare Man. I suppose, yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, that makes sense. Which, for 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 the uninitiated, was a uh, BBC science fiction thriller that aired in 1981, based on a novel, and it's about a series of bizarrely brutal and horrific murders on a Scottish island, which may be the work of a man or some sort of creature and it turns out to be in the most convoluted way possible um a russian experimental submarine pilot whose brain was wired into the machinery but who crash landed on the island and as he was escaping ripped half his head off and is now a crazed slavering radioactive monster and they had they had to tone it down significantly from what was in the book. Oh, really? Because the book on which it's based is even more horrifying. Wow. Um, there's a bit where they, they find the, the tape recording left by a bird watcher uh, of his own murder, and you hear the sound of him having his head torn from his neck as the murderer laughs his head off. Mm-hmm. And Look. it's... It's it's on. Uh, I think it was on Daily Motion. I mean, it was released right. on, on DVD years ago, but it's yeah. deleted now. But you can still find it if you look for it. It's really good. But it was amazing to think that it was broadcast before the Watershed. Really? I didn't know it was. I didn't know it was a pre-Watershed project. It was directed by Douglas Camfield, isn't it? I think it was directed by Douglas Camfield mm. and written by Robert Holmes. And it's the only time Doctor Who's greatest writer and greatest director ever worked together. Hmm. Um, but that's really good, and it, uh, and the whole idea of the, you know, this mysterious figure mm. committing these horrific crimes—it's so much like the Nightmare Man. Yeah, it's funny. It, 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 it's it, not until you pointed it out, but yes, it is. It is quite similar, isn't it, in setup? Um, hmm. They fo- the the police follow the line, and they realise, and also there are bubbles emerging into the onto the water surface. Oh, yeah, sorry, we and we, they manage. They yes, and they we, manage to. They they trap what they think is the killer inside a lock. We've skipped over a bit, haven't we? Because it turns out the killer's still in the boat, um, and he and John have a fight. Do they pull? They pull John's body out, don't they? And then that's oh yeah, yeah. There's a whole t- there's a whole discussion about oh it's he's on a safety line, and they go oh yes it's one pull for. I'm okay, and two pulls for I'm in trouble, which just reminded me of an old Far Side cartoon of a diver who's being pulled away by an octopus. And there's the two guys in the rescue boat on the top are saying, well, it was one pull for okay and two pulls for I'm in trouble. He didn't say anything about one really long, slow, constant pull. But anyway, yes. Sorry. Um, and so the killer. Flees, but yeah, they, they, the killer flees they, the boat. Yeah, they, they see the bubbles, and it's quite a nice. This is Vermeer's moment of trap because he kind of puts it all together and realizes that if they follow the bubbles, they've got him. Yeah, and they seem to have trapped him inside a lock, mm. 
and they start draining the water out as as Eric arrives. And this again, and this this is the bit where the platoon of armed cops turn up. And again, it's another one of these really really fantastic images of both sides of this lock are um, lined with armed soldiers, all pointing their guns down into the water. It, it's just a brilliant image. And eventually, all the water drains away. And the only thing they find is the aqua lung. Mm. I assume the killer ditched the aqua lung and swung out while they swam out while they were closing the lock gates. I guess that's about the only way I can lock- kind of make it work in my head. But um, now, what's this I've written? Bray B R E at Marina. B R E at Marina. Oh, breaking at Marina. Because, oh yeah, because this is the thing. Yes, because in the fight between policeman John and the killer, who we now know definitely is a frogman and not a monster at all. Um, yeah, the the killer gets. I think John gets a couple of blows in with a knife or something, doesn't he? So the killer's injured, um, and then yes, they get. This is one of these slightly odd moments where. I suppose it's meant to... But you, I, I kept thinking back to that comment from Eric about, oh, I solved the Quizmaster murders by a lot of luck. Because basically they don't... They don't track the um, killer down with detective work. They just get a phone call that says, there's been a break-in at the marina. Could be your man. And it's like, okay. <laughs> um, I mean, he's not going to be responsible for all aqua-related no, crime. but it's just that vague moment of, you know, Batman, the world's greatest detective, leaves the film disappointed because they just get the killer served up to them on a plate. But yeah, they go off to a... They go off to a marina and they go into a... A warehouse? A, a creepy boathouse. Yes, boathouse. That's the word uh, that, I was looking for. And um, it winds up with the killer shooting Vermeer with a spear gun mm. and um, pinioning him. Before getting away on a speedboat. Yes. But luckily there's and another speedboat. Yeah. And then we have a, an, a most excellent speedboat chase. It's brilliant. It feels like it's been dropped in from another film. But it's still great. I mean, it really does bear comparison with something like Live and Let Die. To the, to the it point, is that good. To the point where I was watching it going, why hasn't James Bond ever done a speedboat chase around the canals it, it you you watch it and it suddenly seems like the world's most obvious idea because it looks absolutely fantastic did in, Mo- in moonraker but that was moonraker. venice not the different can the different canals it's a different um it's a different waterway <laughs> well they they the thing is well they did shoot in amsterdam for diamonds are forever but yeah they did didn't they um, in fact they used those glass top the, boats yeah where they see uh, the body of Mrs. I can't uh, Mrs. Remember Smuggler. That. Yes, that's her. And uh, and either Wint or Kid takes a picture and says, "Well, she did want a picture to show the children at uh, at the school." Oh, oh yes. Oh, how considerate of you, Mister Kid. The children will be so thrilled. I know it's uh, not. I know these days. I mean, Wint, th- I know, you know that's Crispin Glover's father, don't you? I mean, no, no I didn't. I mean, I know these days Wint and Kid are not 
considered appropriate role models and you know and they're considered very very poor representation but they're such a good part of that film um just taken on their own terms they're absolutely i've got a really real soft spot for them it didn't occur to me for years that they were that they were supposed to be gay. There's only, I think, one point, isn't there? Is it when they've done the going in with the scorpion and they walk away holding hands? Um, the way I saw it was they were like evil children mm. in adult bodies. So they're children. That's why they hold hands. Yeah. Um, yes, and even... One of them the, makes a joke about um, uh, um, Tiffany Case mm. and... Um, Paul's a face, and I thought, well, yeah, that's because they're they're little boys. And they don't like girls. Exactly. Yeah. There's a, there's a point where one of them makes the comment about, oh, she's very pretty for a girl, and it does just feel like two kids talking in a playground. It's like, yeah, oh, girls, that's where nits come from, or something. Yeah. No, I don't think it was until I read the book. I think Ian Fleming makes it much more explicit, and probably probably because he decides that they can't whistle or something stupid. <laughs> I was going to mention that. Yeah, he wrote several paragraphs about how they can't whistle and they're, exactly. they've got re- and they've got they've got revolt they've got revolving feet and detachable ears. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, and a third claw or something. <laughs> third claw? Where were the third first two? I was sorry, I was conflating Winton Kid with the monster from Craggy Island in the episode of Father Ted with the, the sheep. Oh, yeah. it's, it's, mag- it's got magnets in it so that it can pull people towards it or something. <laughs> and instead of a neck, it's got four asses. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the, the boat's you know, weaving around mm. the, um, the, the sculling students and all the, and all the pedalos. Oh, and it's every... It's that thing, isn't it? You 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 can almost see the writing process. You go, okay, what obstacles? Get? Well, okay, we have to have a boat full. We have to have the the gag of a boat that gets cut in half by a speedboat. You know, tick. We have to have the and it's just as I'm amazed there wasn't two people carrying a plate of glass across a canal because <laughs> <laughs> it does really does feel like that thing where it's just right. What what can we possibly put in? But it's all done so well. Um, and there's there's a bit where um, uh, Eric leaps into the the killer's boat and gets dragged behind him mm. on a rope, and it's actually the actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair play to them for that. That's that's quite a stunt. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, jumps jumps over a road and collides mm. with another boat and explodes, and and it's 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 really terrific. Mm. And eventually, you know, it gets away. Eric sees the the killer climbing into a sewer and follows, but is uh, shoots at the killer and shoots him in the mask. Yes. But the killer shoots back and and puts him in hospital. Yes, and just again, there's one final protest from the Dutch tourist board. This is a sewer that opens directly into the river, um, and it's you're in no doubt as you're as as uh, Eric's walking down the set. It's supposed to be a real sewer. Uh, and it looks absolutely disgusting. And yeah, yeah. Um, he wakes up in hospital with uh, Laura and Vermeer there, and Vermeer's going to be fine. Mm. And he's been out cold for twelve hours. Uh, meanwhile, Laura goes to Ma- uh, Martin's house. Yeah, and so she goes to yeah. she goes to Martin's. <sighs> She goes, she goes to Martin's to Martin. house for uh, a therapy session. Yeah, and but he's not there. That's it. So she's... Um, 
So she hel- she helps herself to a glass of sherry and starts listening to some music. Yeah. And there are some shots that really emphasize the negative space. So um, Laura's unprotected back, for example, as yeah. though you're, you are being tricked into thinking that that, face, that space is suddenly going to have something filling it, mm. like a murderous frogman. <laughs> yes, it's kind of the opposite of that... Um terrible cliche you get in really bad slasher films where somebody goes to a medicine cabinet and opens the medicine cabinet isn't it and you you just kind of oh, yeah. you sit there in the audience going well when she closes it there'd better be a murderer standing behind it um, but yes there's lots of shots of her looking vulnerable with obviously with the earphones on as well so she can't hear anything um, yeah she goes, why did she start exploring uh, the house she she hears a noise and goes down to the boathouse mm. and she sees that um, uh, Martin had lots of trophies mm. from his old diving days and his wetsuit and some spots of blood mm. and the broken face mask. Yes. This isn't looking good for Martin. No, it isn't. So, Laura, because this isn't an American movie... She immediately calls Eric and says, "What's happened?" Yeah, but <laughs> she doesn't go. She doesn't like go go off into some part of the house that she can't get away from. No, mm. she immediately calls the police. But in the most convoluted way, I, did, did the did the Dutch not have a nine 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 system? Because she gets the phone book, she looks up the telephone number of the hospital, she calls the ward that Eric's on, gets through to the ward nurse, and then leaves a message. Um, I just, it's like nine, nine, a 999 system would be a lot simpler. This is, the, well, she's contacting the guy who's in head of, yeah. the head of the investigation. He's the star of the film, yeah, yeah everything has, but he's a, yeah. he's, a, he's a slip. Their best man is asleep. And, and it does show uh, uh, perhaps some leaning towards egalitarianism, that it's, it's the female love interest who makes the mm. vital connection. Yeah, that's true. Even even though she's the one in danger, she's the one who effectively cracks the case. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And then uh and then unfortunately Martin comes home, doesn't he? Yeah. And Laura hides. Um while Annika and Willie go to the hospital and Willie has a vision of Eric in danger. Yeah. Um, Eric gets the message and rushes over to Martin's house. Martin, in turn, is waiting for Laura to arrive mm. and starts um, starts playing on the piano. That's it. And Laura um, creeps into the boathouse and she kicks over a can of paint, doesn't she? And, yeah. And Martin... And it's Martin off- grabs, grabs Martin a gun. Martin thinking there's some kind... Yeah, he grabs a gun. Because everyone um, has firearms? I yeah, guess. everyone's got a harpoon gun because yeah. of, of all these frogman murderers. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, yeah you never know what's going to come lunging out of a canal at you, do you? Um, but um, Laura gets the drop on him and beats the just, daylights out of him with a with an oar. To the point where I felt sorry for him, actually. And this was the point, and I've just remembered it again. I suddenly realised that Martin um, vaguely reminds me of Niles Crane. Uh, <laughs> I think it's just the, <laughs> it's just the blonde hair and the sharp suits, but it is uncomfortably like watching somebody beating up Niles Crane. Um, oh, yeah. And anyway, yeah. So he's unconscious. Um, 
The police arrive. Um, Hooray, the case is solved. And that, yeah. And then the killer leaps out of the water and grabs Laura. Mm. Just as Eric bursts in and starts firing wildly. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Not the I first... mean, it's like he's... It's like he's throwing the bullets. Yes. And, and uh, continuing a track record of the police firing wildly at things, because obviously you had the two river police earlier that finally shot a duck. And Vermeer at one point... I can't remember the circumstances now, but there's a point where Vermeer pulls out his gun and just starts firing in the vague distance. Is it when the speedboat's heading away? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Well, but at that point, it was un- it was unlikely he was going to hit any bystanders. No, no that's true. But he was unlike he was unlikely to hit much of anything. Mm. Um, but the killer gets away, and ret- and we finally get the reveal. He returns to his lair, mm. which is a little waterside shack, and we see him for the first time without his frogman gear on, and he's yeah. got a monster face. Yeah, yeah, it's vaguely. Um... Vague, that sort of vaguely Doctor Who sort of lumpy face makeup effect, isn't it? Yeah. Um, very sort of Talons of Wang Chai, Ang, that sort of thing. And Martin, who's now woken up, explains that he was a salvage diver. He, he was the friend who had the terrible accident. Um, and after recovering uh, some toxic chemical waste, he was badly disfigured and it slowly seeped into his brain and he went crazy. And because uh, Martin felt sorry for him, he allowed him to borrow his diving gear so that he could take revenge on society. Yeah. It's it's really vague. It's a bit foggy. Like, I guess just, you know, he could... Uh, Martin's thinking was obviously it's like therapy. You know, it's he can go and swim around the canals um, and maybe... Re- but no, I mean, obviously, actually what happens is that the friend who I'm not sure if he's ever named or not no I'm looking down here I don't and think he's he just, is he's listed as maniac oh well excellent Simon Sorry. maniac I'm just exactly of the Shropshire maniacs you know um and I'm looking. Sorry, I'm now distracted by looking down the um, IMDb cast list, and there's also a girl in rubber boat, who I assume is the girl on the Lido. Um, there's some fantastic character names a bit further down. Mexican guitarist. Oh yeah, I remember him. Uh, but yes, sorry. Uh, to stop being. I'll stop being distracted by the IMDb the, cast list. The. Uh... The killer looks at his around his his sad little shack. His rat in his belongings. Yeah. And he he looks at old pictures of himself with Martin, you know, both of them in their mm. in their wetsuits with with their arms around each other and happier times. In fact I think one and of the sits, one of the photos he's got, I think, is a duplicate of a photo that's in Martin's house. we definitely seen one of those yeah. pictures before, yeah. Yeah. Um and so he sadly sits himself down and takes out his harpoon gun and shoots himself in the face. Uh, what else are you going to do? Yeah, this like self-cleaning murderer tidies himself up. Yes. <laughs> and um, all the police arrive to... Uh, you know, now that Martin spilled the beans, the police arrive and uh, start... Pu- pouring over the place. It's mm. too late to do anything about it, too late to make an arrest. And uh, we cut to some time later. 
where Eric and Laura are on a date on a pedalo. Yeah. And um, Eric says, oh, oh, yeah, don't worry about the water. It's perfectly safe as he dangles his foot in the side and then starts screaming. But oh, oh, it's oh, it was just a prank. He was it, oh, it's just a, one of his little Dutch jokes. Exactly. Yes. So they pedal off for an afternoon together of cheese and uh, other continental things. Yeah. As the camera pulls up, and we get the <laughs> we get the theme song playing, which um, is actually called which, includes the lyrics Amsterdam, I think, doesn't it? Yeah, and it's surprisingly catchy to the mm. extent that I watched this film over a month ago and it's still rattling around my brain. Yeah. No, I'm not surprised. How come um, Holland's never done better in Eurovision? I don't know. I'm not a Eurovision man. Ah, right. I, it's, for me, Eurovision is it's like, it's like drag. I mean, everyone <laughs> seems to be interested in it. Everyone seems to be interested in it. The press goes crazy for it. I have absolutely no idea what the attraction is. I don't have a problem with it in any way, yeah. but I don't know why I'm supposed to like it. Fair enough, yeah. I see Eurovision as a necessary evil to share in all the other news coverage that that we get on all these various countries. Yeah, no, that seems, seems perfectly reasonable. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, overall, I really like the film. Mm. Um it's uh, apart from the fairly anticlimactic ending. Yeah, it's it's pretty effective overall. It's got some great action. It's got some great ideas and some really nice direction. It's it it only works because of the setting. Mm, yeah. It's so specific. It's it's been conceived entirely to work only in Amsterdam. You couldn't have an American remake of this because there is nowhere to set it. No, exactly. Maybe that's a reason why it never caught on. I mean, like another major Dutch film of around the same time was The Vanishing, um, also a horror thriller, which was remade in the US very badly, famously, mm. um, by the same director. And I think that maybe helped the original because it sort of amplified the concept. Whereas this was supposed to be something that could just be sold overseas as it was, but. Mm. It, it it was just too unusual, too unique to ever really catch on. It's I mean it's dubbed, which is always going to be a little bit of a barrier. Um, I, I'm not surprised that when when you said it was shown on ITV, it was kind of tucked away in a night slot because nobody's ever going to show a, a it's, nobody's going to show a dubbed film sort of in uh, prime time in the evening, which is a bit of a shame, really. Um, but I think I, mean, I could have imagined this showing in the ten forty slot after news at ten. Yeah, yeah, I think it. I think it could have worked, but I, I do. I do think that, that I suspect a lot of people that were kind of looking at it, its commercial, uh, its saleability overseas. For a lot of them, it's just the fact that it's a, it's not an English language film is going to be the main barrier, unfortunately. But the fact that the dubbing was done mm. oh, by yeah, yeah. the. By the cast themselves, under the under the director's supervision, like with *Das Boot*, mm. the um, the original English language version was dubbed entirely by the actual cast, mm. with the script translated by the director. There was only one actor who they had to get someone else, and that was because his accent was so strong that no one could understand him. Oh right, but and yeah. Then, then when they did the 
the, the director's cut years later, that is the entire cast all dubbing themselves. But I've got to say that watching this, I had my, the, the, the same reaction I always have when I watch dubbed films, which is like for the first five or ten minutes, you're sitting there going, oh, this is a bit weird, isn't it? And then by the end, I've just forgotten about it. Um, but I can see that that's, I think that's the one thing that, that, that sort of really stops it from being a success. But it's not a huge barrier. It's just that th- it is literally just that thing that that's everybody's first reaction is they kind of pick it up and go, oh, non, uh, you know, non-English language film. It goes in the foreign films pile, um, but, uh, along with all sorts of other perfectly acceptable stuff. Yeah. It gets treated the same as though it were like Fellini's Satyricon. Mm just because it's a, a film in a foreign language, when this is a, a fast-paced commercial action-adventure mm. thriller and Satyricon is a complicated art house thing yeah. that's almost inc- incomprehensible. And they're two completely different things, but they get lumped together. I mean, it's like... Um, I Was it Guillermo del Toro complaining about the way animation is treated as a genre? Okay. Um, when it's not. It's, it's a medium. And you you know you can mm. do anything from, uh, you know, uh, Mickey through the Looking Glass to um, Mad God. Yeah, um, there's uh, you can do anything in the same way that foreign language isn't a genre. It's just a film that's not made in English. It's it's the way that whatever percent the ninety percent of the world that doesn't speak English as a first language makes films. Yeah, it's that slightly slightly. Uh, snobbish, exclusive I don't know quite what the right word is but that, that tendency of people like me to look at something and go oh, non-English, eh? that goes in that <laughs> put it over there with the Godzilla films and Satyricon for some reason exactly, yeah I mean, I watched uh, Gar- Gamera the Giant Monster recently and it was terrible Yes, but yeah. the the original 1954 Godzilla is a surprisingly sophisticated mm intelligent, thoughtful film. Yeah. And yes, I've not seen... Mars... Oh, sorry, go on. No, no, carry on. All I was going to say was that, yes, you know, Gamora is not a terrible film because it's dubbed, but it's just a terrible film. It's Yeah, it's just rubbish. Mm. And I, I think I saw it... I saw it in uh, in Japanese, actually. Oh, interesting. It's still rubbish. Well, yes, exactly. <laughs> um, well, Mars has become uh, one of... Uh, the Netherlands' most successful directors. I mean, his his film between the lift and Amsterdam was Flodder, which at the time was one of the, I think, the highest-grossing Dutch film of all time at the home market, and is still one of the top ten. Uh, almost forty years later, uh, that created a whole franchise of sequels, and in two thousand and one, he made his single American movie. Um a remake of The Lift starring uh, Naomi Watts, Michael Ironside and Ron Perlman Okay, Uh, It was shot in the Netherlands of course but uh, unfortunately it went straight to video in the US Mm. and uh, he seems to have switched from filmmaking to writing, as I say he's recently published a novel based on Amsterdam as the first in a potential series and um, is sufficiently highly regarded that a documentary uh, about his career, the Dick Maas method, 
uh, was screened at the Dutch Film Festival in 2020. Okay. We think that, well, we don't think, but our knowledge of some some countries' film industries begins and ends with one or two directors who've broken through into the mainstream, like Paul mm. Verhoeven, who is yeah. a great filmmaker and is still making interesting and unusual films. But now, I mean, like, again, you compare Starship Troopers to L. Yeah, yeah. You would never right. think that those two could be from the same filmmaker, and yet they are both very intelligent, sophisticated films, just in totally different styles and genres. Um, but, you know, you dig into some of these areas and you get a, a film culture that's as rich and as complex as the British one or the American one. Mm. You can get, uh, you know, complex, uh, intelligent, character-led prestige movies like um, some of Verhoeven's early work, or you can get slam-bang action-adventure thrillers like The Lift or Amsterdam. Um, I think it's a testament that you should. it's worth exploring uh, cinemas of foreign countries and, and not just to looking at their, their prestige movies, but their commercial movies. What are the things that Dutch people go to see at the movies when they're seeing their own country's productions? Hmm. Or German viewers or French viewers? It's, it's a whole different world. Thanks to Chris for making time for this recording. Cinema Limbo is on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Acast with over 110 episodes available, so please download, review and subscribe. We're also on YouTube, on Twitter at cinema underscore limbo, and Podnose is also on Patreon, so please pop a penny in the box to help us with our running costs. However, until next time, remember, stop asking about going Dutch. You have been listening to Cinema Limbo. Hosted and produced by Jeremy Phillips, with editing and music by Philip Alderman. Cinema Limbo is part of the Podnose Podcasting Network, so please visit us at www.podnose.com. Thank you.